What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Mostly Normal Gamers podcast, episode 108. We're recording today on Wednesday, July 14th. Survived a giant storm to come be here today with you all. Um, I'm Chris. I'm going to be your host this week. I'm back from a brief hiatus of not being able to record for a while. Um, today, I am joined by my usual co-host and fellow uh, inmate running the asylum, we'll say, Angie Stellar Smalls. Angie, what's going on? Not much. I didn't really get much of a storm here, though. Really? It's because just, It rained and that's it. We got slammed uh, to the point where, like, I could hear it through the roof of the building at work. Oh, really? Um, I wish we did. I've been wanting, like, some thunder, some lightning. Gave me that clap. But it uh, got I don't know if it was any thunder. It was just a heavy, heavy rainstorm. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Sorry you missed out. Um, and this <laughs> week, while John and AJ are away, we have a special guest. Uh, I'm happy to welcome Charlie... Uh, I want to. I don't want to butcher your last name, but I have a bad habit of butchering all names. Is it Watchles? You're you're pretty close. It's okay. uh, Wackles. So think Wackles. of it like waffles, except instead of F's, it's K's. Oh, because the C H noise can make a K sometimes. Yes, I learned that when I was a barista. Um, awesome. That's not actually. That might be true. Anyways, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, my understanding of your uh, some of your credits would include uh, your podcast, the Comfort Food Podcast, and uh, Android Central as well as well as some other places. Yes. Um, I just, you know, we always like to give space at the start of the show to hear what brings you into the world of gaming. What are you doing here? And um, and welcome you to the show. Um, the first question I would always like to ask someone is, what is the game that like made you get into video games? I I think I have three answers for that. Um, firstly, uh, Pokemon Platinum. Oh, okay. Um, secondly, Wii Sports. Uh, third, uh, Super Smash Bros. for Wii U and 3DS. <laughs> um, those three games kind of uh, struck at different points in my life that led to kind of me either falling in love with the, the medium, uh, falling in love with the world, or um, falling in love with Nintendo. Uh, and that's kind of, that's kind of been my driving force is kind of my passion for Nintendo. That's eventually grown into other companies, other games, other subgenres, and so forth, uh, within the gaming world. But, um, yeah, I think my passion for Nintendo stuff is really kind of what catapulted me forward into covering games. First, I was telling my friends about the project NX at the lunch table at school. Next thing I know, I am, uh, uh, submitting an application for dual shockers rad awesome and so first of all it's hilarious to me because i deal with this a lot on the in your position with our other two co-hosts who aren't mm -hmm. here but i think there's like a 10-year age gap between you and i and so when you were like anyways but yeah, uh... much respect for pokemon being an entry point i think a lot of people would say that i mm. would certainly say that that's a part of the entry points that i've had um and just like every time I host this show, it's secretly a hashtag mostly Nintendo podcast awesome. today. Awesome. Lucky us. Uh, <laughs> Here for it. I'm trying to start a spinoff and I've kept doing backdoor pilots without anyone noticing. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, what are you doing in the space right now? Um, where can people catch you online? And um, tell me a bit about the different stuff that you do. 
Well, mostly uh, I'm putting in a lot of work as a freelancer at Android Central. I'm kind of still getting settled over there. I just finished like helping with edits for my fourth article over there. So I'm not, I'm not super deep in there yet, but um, I'm, I'm enjoying the work. It's, it's very different from the stuff I was doing at Dual Shockers and the stuff I do on occasion at Twinfinite, mm-hmm. but it's still, you know, equally rewarding and uh, always interesting to delve into kind of the tech side of things too. Yeah, definitely. Is the stuff that you've gotten to do over there more like hardware focused as opposed to like talking about apps and games? Yeah, a lot of basically I'm I'm one of their VR freelancers. So I'll be the person writing lists on what Quest 2 accessories you should buy, uh, comparing the Quest 2 versus the Valve Index, that kind of thing. Um, oh, so awesome. so writing writing a lot of those kinds of things, very like kind of uh, reader help kind of situations. I haven't had a chance to review anything yet, but that's just because I've been since I started working there, I've moved twice oh <laughs> and it's only been a month. So, oh my gosh. yeah, so I, cause I had to move back home cause my lease was done. And then I had like some limbo time before uh, my new lease started. So I was like kind of living out of, out of a suitcase and a laptop for a while, but uh, I'm partially set up in my new apartment now. So hopefully I'll start to get to do more writing for them and Twinfinite, which is the other place that I work, but I haven't written for them in a little bit. Awesome. Well, congrats on, you know, the new place and Thank getting you. started at that freelance gig um i am gonna jump into the lowdown uh if you want to be a part of the conversation you or if you have a pressing question that you want us to weigh in you can reach us on twitter at the mn gamers podcast if you don't use twitter because please god could we all stop using twitter for just like a day um today was one of those days that made me wish people could stop using twitter um (laughs) You can send us an email the old-fashioned way to podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com. That is our website. Please feel free to go check it out. Uh, While you're there, you can sign up for the Mostly Normal monthly newsletter. Uh, You can also find that at mngamers.substack.com. We just sent one of those to people's inboxes this Monday. I believe Uh, I barely got my article written. I think I wrote it in 20 minutes before it went out. So you're getting quality work from us here at the MN Gamers Podcast. Um, You can also find back issues of that uh, newsletter over at the mngamers.substack.com website. Um, We're coming up on 12 issues, so a year from having started it. So uh, look forward to another one of those next month. And uh, we finally have another way for you to get in touch with us, which is our Google voicemail and Google text line Uh, The number for that is 507-291-2991. We would love to hear your voice with a question, a game review, a snarky comment, uh, and especially stuff that we can include in the show if you want to leave us a voicemail at that number. Um, And with that, we are going to jump into what we're playing. And I want to cue you up, Charlie. Uh, Hit us with some games. What's uh, What's on the docket recently for you? So I'm like perennially, perennially addicted to Slay the Spire. Like it, it's become like almost a tick, like the same way that I would close Twitter and then open it back up again, like a couple seconds later on my phone or something, if I'm not doing anything. Uh, yes. The Hearthstone problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I started doing that with Slay the Spire and I decided that it would be a great idea to help make my problem worse and buy it on my phone. 
So, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I've been playing that on the train on the way to work. I've been playing it in bed. I've been playing it literally, literally everywhere. Like I, I everywhere, everywhere. It's, it's become a bit of a problem, but, uh, and I can't say enough good things about that game. It is creative. It is addictive. It is fun. It is deep. And something about it keeps pulling me back in, in the way that very few other roguelikes have. Uh, and I love a lot of, I love roguelikes in general. So, um, if you're a fan of the genre, you haven't checked it out. Maybe you're not a big card game person. Maybe you're not into turn-based stuff. I still recommend it because it's just that good. Yeah. Is there something that it does to differentiate itself or like elevate itself above the rest of like, you know, I, I think card-based, run-based games has become like, especially since Slave Aspire, like was pretty groundbreaking for that. I think that's become like a genre of its own. Mm-hmm. Is there something you feel like it does that would make it appeal to all roguelike fans or roguelite mm-hmm. fans who even if they don't like card games well i think the thrill of the roguelike is obviously you know it's twofold firstly it's getting a build that is so perfectly luckily busted in just the right way that you just like you just kind of tear through everything but in a satisfying way it's not like it's not super it's not just easy, it's easy in a satisfying way. Mm. But then you add on top of that, this kind of uh, push and pull of the risk and reward that you need to like kind of reason out whenever you do a run. And I think Slay the Spire does that really well where um, every single, at the end of pretty much every single combat encounter, uh, you have to make a choice. Actually, you have to make multiple choices. And I think making those choices and strategizing in a way that you can deal with the implications of those choices is not necessarily stronger or better than other roguelikes, but it's more frequent and it's more, um, the game makes it more relevant in some ways. So I think that's really kind of the core of why it's, it stands out as a roguelike to me. Uh, but then also I think, uh, in the similar way that there are multiple weapons in Hades, uh, different decks in the Slay the Spire will kind of encourage you to do different runs, and there are different kinds of runs that you can do with different decks. Um, and and so it's really like kind of tweaking and pursuing your favorite way to play while also adapting to whatever the game throws at you. Oh, cool. So it, it has like a playfulness baked into mm-hmm. the mechanics in that way. Yeah. That and was it, like the thing that stood out to me about Hades was like every weapon was fun in its own way and you just had to learn what the fun way to play it was almost yeah yeah no that's that's pretty much exactly what i would compare slay the spire to um and similarly to the weapons in hades they're you know different things that you can pursue different elements of those strengths that really just opens it up unbelievably unlike a game like binding of isaac where you start with one similar archetype of character and then you have many many options it's more options from the get-go and fewer things after that. But yeah, Slay the definitely. Spire kind of meets in the middle between those two. Interesting. Awesome. I like got I have Game Pass and so I played like one round of Slay the Spire. Mm-hmm. And like I'm like, I think I just need to get it on Switch because if I'm gonna play a card game, I wanna not be tethered to my TV. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't or, have a backbone for my phone yet. And I think I probably just need to get a backbone for my phone. I'm pretty um, sure the cloud version has touch controls. 
So it does, but I this is how I was playing it the second time. Mm-hmm. And the touch controls for um for XCloud games on the iPhone are we have mapped a controller interface onto your phone. Oh, okay. and when it's a card game like that, my brain <laughs> right. just wants I'm just we don't do a video podcast, but I'm like I just want to be able to touch the card and like pull it out to play it like every other card game I've played on mm-hmm. my phone. And so like I literally my brain was like wreaking havoc on itself <laughs> just trying to use it. But it is it is one of the games that has xCloud like touch control overlay, which I think is amazing that I don't even know how they do that in that it's shocking and it's that boggles my mind. Um awesome. So you'd say like Slay the Spire is like a hard recommend for like basically anyone. Yeah. Um it was the second my second favorite game I played last year. Um uh, and I played a lot of games last year. I think I beat like 60 games last year. Uh oh. and it was second only to uh Super Mario Galaxy 2, which I think is the best Mario game and probably the best platformer I've ever played. <laughs> and the only one that they left off that collection. Yep, the only one. Well, <laughs> not the Yeah, but the only <laughs> the only one they left off the collection for all intents and purposes. And that that really pissed me off. But um I'm also getting into Panzer Paladin. That game's really fun. Um that looked that. really cool, but I yeah. feel like I didn't hear a ton about it. Oh, really? I uh, I think it was, I was talking to, I forget who it was that reviewed the game for DualShockers when it came out, when I was there still. And um, they they seemed to really enjoy it, which was interesting, because I think I remember this person not liking weapon durability, but I could be mistaken. If it is this person, I think it's Cam Hawkins, but I, I might be wrong. I okay. might be wrong, so don't quote me on that. But yeah, that game's really fun. Uh, I've been playing some Ultimate Chicken Horse, which is... Um, hectic and frantic and fun and makes me mad that i didn't discover it sooner okay and then uh i've kind of been in between different metroid stuff so as always back to panzer paladin real quick you i was looking at it and checking it out it has a Mega Man-esque type feel to it it mm-hmm. looks like yeah it's so I think I think the similarities between that and Mega Man are really interesting with like kind of the structure of the game where um, there are three different weapon types and each enemy that you encounter, from my understanding, is weak to a different type of weapon. Yeah. So there's the Mega Man thing there, but then there's also the the level select is is basically just open, so you can do it in any order you want. Oh, so also just, like Mega Man, yeah. also like <laughs> yeah, the OG yeah. Mega Man games. Right. I mean, the like marketing art for this game is astonishing i love it i love it's it great. Yeah. Like it's great like the mech looks so cool i'm gonna check it out just because i like Mega Man a lot you should it's it also kind of it also kind of reminds me of older games like it kind of takes master blaster stuff you know you're in a tanky kind of thing and then you get out but also it kind of reminds me in its movement a lot of the time of castlevania oh some of the classic like, stuff not the metroidvania ones like no. the real no, Egovania. and snes yeah yeah. And because like you're you're in a mech and it's kind of tanky and you have these kind of close ranged weapons and there are certain things can only that can only be opened by certain weapons and then there's a little bit of like whip swinging and jumping platforming action so all right yeah I like that oh, part of it it's a side scroller too right yes sorry Jeff. go ahead no I I just image searched it like the Google image search and they have a vinyl for this game Ooh. and it basically no way. looks like they're drawing on some like Evangelion imagery <laughs> in a way for my brain. It's it looks awesome. 
Um, yeah, the group and, that actually, sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, no. I, and then just like the pilot's armor looks kind of like, um, I can't, it's like Tatsunoko versus Capcom, like the Tatsunoko characters. I'm too stupid to know what they're actually called. But anyways, you were going to say something, Charlie. <laughs> I was just going to say that uh, the group that did the soundtrack actually um, for this game is a group called Power Glove. And I, I found them a while back, like right before this game was announced. Mm. And um, they do a lot of really cool covers of stuff like that. I think they actually have a Metroid album. I could I could be mistaken, but oh, awesome. uh, yeah. But they they have a their YouTube channel has like a bunch of really awesome uh, like it, it's kind of like a video game speed metal kind of thing. So it might not necessarily be for everyone, but a lot of the stuff they do is really cool covers and stuff like that. So and I may awesome. have missed this. Do you play these on the Switch? So normally I would, uh, unless it's on Game Pass, I'm playing it on Switch uh, nine times out of ten. But actually, um, someone on Twitter randomly, like a mutual on Twitter, was randomly giving away codes for it for some reason. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. And they were like... How can you hey. say no to that? Yeah, right. I, I, so I won the giveaway for Panzer Paladin. I was like, well, Sweet. it's a Steam code, which I don't really play on my PC as much as everything else, but uh, free game is free game. So, Oh, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Some some games I feel like on PC are, are just better on PC because mm-hmm. I've played the same game on multiple platforms and I feel like sometimes PC is the right way to go, but it depends on the game and also depending if I want to lay on the couch or not. <laughs> right. I think I, I think I, my, my job is basically just like waiting for a phone to ring tech support. So I had, I had my Xbox controller with me at work under the desk and I was just playing Panzer Paladin. This is the best is thing ever. <laughs> a, a great feature of a job. I um, have a very, we encourage self-care in my workplace. And so uh, the switch gets busted out every awesome. so often and there's no judgment, uh, which That's makes me feel pretty good. Um I think it's Gotcha Man is the character costumes that are I'm being are being evoked in my brain just so that like I put a name to it um, <laughs> because I was definitely furiously Google searching that. Um, that game looked so cool when it first came out, and I just didn't feel like it got traction. Like I don't, I feel like the the culture kind of like moved past it because it it's been out for like six months, right? Or Panzer Paladin, or maybe since last year. Yeah, I think it came out like early this year, late last year. Yeah. And so I, I just felt like it it didn't feel like it had its moment the way that I've seen a lot of these other retro inspired games kind of get that moment in the, in the spotlight, you know, mm-hmm. um, which I think is maybe my loss because it looks really awesome. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, um, no, it's 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 definitely one of those things that I'd recommend to pretty much anyone who's who, who who's into that kind of thing. So I just looked it up. It came out in July of last year. So around the same time that oh, like... I think Ghost of Tsushima came out came out around oh, then too. I was competing for some of the oxygen when like a game of the year winner came. <laughs> right, right. So that was like a year ago. Wow, that mm-hmm. I mean, time flies. Um, but I don't want to get into COVID time thoughts. <laughs> so you said you're between Metroids right now. Yes. So talk to me about a what Metroids are you between, <laughs> and so, how did you get there? <laughs> so I had a bit of a. Um, I don't know. I, I don't remember if uh, like I was distracted, if I'd had a couple drinks, or if I was just not playing, not paying attention. But um, I played the end of Metroid Prime on accident, thinking that it was Metroid Two. Uh, 
And I, because I, I, I could have sworn I selected Metroid Prime Two on like the Metroid Prime trilogy uh, file select. So I beat, I beat, Met- the, I beat Metroid Prime. Didn't realize because it didn't say anywhere, obviously, that it was right. Metroid Prime. So I didn't realize like what I was doing, and I beat it. And I was like, this seems awfully familiar, but I like this, so I'm going to keep playing. Um, and so, so I beat, so I rolled credits on Metroid Prime One again because I'm I'm like maybe half halfway to two thirds of the way through Metroid Prime Two. That's why I was like, oh, okay, beating it makes sense here. Um, and then after that, I started up Metroid Prime Three because I was like, well, this was really short. I only played for like 15 minutes. What am I doing? It should have clicked. <laughs> it really should have clicked at some point. And um, and I you so I started undershot Met- it and then overshot <laughs> it. Right. Yeah, so I, I I don't know I don't know how that happened, but I started Metroid Prime Three, and then I quit it, and I was like, the next day I realized it was Metroid Prime Two or Metroid Prime that I had played, not Metroid Prime Two. Um, so that's kind of my situation with that. And then uh, the other day, I don't know why, I just kind of I just kind of booted up Super Metroid to mess around in on my Wii U. Um, yeah. But I'm actually starting a project. I don't like really know what I want to call it or what I want it to be exactly. All I know is I'm going to play through every 2d Metroid in the lead up to the release of Metroid dread journal about it and make either articles or YouTube videos about it. And I've, I've like started today already, but, uh, or yesterday technically, but um, I'm going to go all the way through playing every game, including remakes and originals um, and just kind of, document the process i even went to uh, office max kind of near me and grabbed a uh, a graph paper journal so oh wow cool and talk about a great thing to have when you're playing some of the like you know nes and old game boy metroids mm-hmm. you know like uh really get into the mapping part of it um i am so glad to have somebody who shares a love for the metroid series on the show please like dm me with links to that stuff so that we can promote it because Sure. I want to see it myself, but B, I think, um, I think hopefully you'll have a really cool perspective on it because it seems like that's something that matters a lot to you. Mm-hmm. Can I ask a question? Yeah, I feel like I'm like right on like the lower bound of people who like were around when Metroid actually was a thing age wise. Mm-hmm. And so, with you being a younger person, how did you? How did Metroid pop on your radar? Smash. Smash. uh yeah too, I, but it was smash 64 okay <laughs> yeah it's, it's interesting uh the last episode of my podcast that i released was an episode about metroid fusion um and i kind of talked to this guy about uh how he got in this metroid thanks to smash 64 too but it's really interesting how kind of as a franchise it hasn't received a lot of marketing or um fanfare love from nintendo and the general public in a lot of ways um, that Smash kind of serves as an entry point for Metroid, Fire Emblem, um, Kid Icarus, all this stuff, and kind of, kind of using that as a jumping off point is always interesting, especially because my first Smash game that I owned, I, I played Melee before that, but my first Smash game that I owned was Brawl, and they had that that demo feature, so mm-hmm. I'd always go in there and I'd play some like thirty seconds of the original Mario Bros. or however long those demos were, and. One day I got an eShop card for my birthday and I got F-Zero and Super Metroid. Right. So yeah, that was kind of, that was kind of my thing. And I, Super Metroid, I think I did, I had it for five years and I, or I've, I've had it for like seven, eight years now and I didn't beat it until 2019. 
but it was like, it was, it was one of my favorite games for a long time before that too. But uh, just kind of that world, that loop, the character, the aesthetic, everything about it kind of just draws me in. I weirdly also had that game for a long time before I beat it because I didn't realize that the run button mattered in Super Metroid <laughs> because I had played yeah. all the Game Boy Advance ones after uh-huh. the fact and the run button didn't matter. Right. And there's this sequence where you have to use the run button or yeah. else you can't cross over this thing. Anyways, I was literally, I, I literally scoured the entire map like six times and then set it down for two years and then scoured the map three more times and then realized that I needed to hold the run button. It's one of the most embarrassing things I've ever had in life happen to me. Uh, I think, but I think I did that with the tunnel. I, I think it, anyways, yes, <laughs> this all sounds familiar. Um, awesome. Well, Angie, what are you getting up to in the world of games? I didn't get to play much this past week, but what I have been playing is Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe on the Switch. Because I am just obsessed. I'm like, I want all those star coins. <laughs> so I'm going through each level, like going all the way back, going through the level, trying to find all the star coins. And it's been frustrating and fun at the same time. I have like 70 lives or some shit. So that's nice. fun. You're the, the Super Mario Bros. Uh, new Super Mario Bros. Yeah. genre problem of you just get so many lives over the course of I, the I love it because I'm like, okay, well, shit, if I die, I'm not really <laughs> upset about it. <laughs> It's what yeah. I need in the 2D Mario games because I can't play them I'm so bad. Oh, no. Getting all the star coins in that is just so hard, too. I mean... Yeah. I, that's, I, I, yeah there's that's some what that I'm, just devious. They, I, seriously, so I swear I'm, like, feeling on all the walls, but you only have so many seconds to go through the damn level. So then all of a sudden I hear, like, the music start going up. And I'm like, oh, shit, I better hurry up and try to find this thing or just finish it and try it again. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Fun but frustrating. I kind of, I kind of had that with uh with what was it 3D Land, oh yeah. But like, I don't know what it was, and I'm not really a big like fan of 100%ing anything. Like, I think I've only ever 100%ed Mario Kart 8. <laughs> um, um, you did? Damn. Yeah. That's that's what I liked 100% because it's easy and not very time consuming. But uh, with New Super Mario Bro, uh, Super Land, uh, Super Mario. <laughs> 3D land. Good God. Yeah. Uh, I I felt compelled for some reason to go back and get every green star, but I never oh, played it before. And so when it came out on Switch, I basically beat like almost all of it in like two sittings and got every green star. Whoa. It was, that game is good for that though. Yeah. It's good for like, like I was, I think I went to visit my girlfriend. So I was on the bus for a couple hours. So. Awesome. More time is to do a- that. Angie, is there a level that you've played so far that's like stood out or like a world that you thought was most creative in that? Because I do remember a notorious polygon list where Jeremy Parrish, uh, king of retro games, said that this was the best Mario game ever made. Um, And so I'm wondering if there's anything that stood out for you from it, Um, especially since I think I played it a couple times with roommates and then like never had that much to say about it. Yeah, well, the beginning levels are just like any other. It's it's fun and easy going just to get your toe in the water of what it's, the feels like. Um, but I I haven't I'm the last world because whatever level you want to call it is the meringue clouds that I've been to. There's still Peach's Castle and the Superstar Road, but um, 
My favorite one, I think, is definitely not the sparkling waters. I don't like that one. That one sucks a lot because squids are my worst nightmare. <laughs> the water levels in 2D Mario games destroy my soul every day. Uh, it just hurts. It makes me feel, I'm just like, I'm, I just want to be done with you for a while, <laughs> probably forever. Um, but as the Meringue Cloud ones are one of my favorites, I think, so far. But I still, you know, the earlier ones are fun where you can just kind of breeze through and just play and you get Yoshi a lot more than the later times or later worlds but the baby yoshis are really fun in that game too so cute are you talking about the ones where you hold on to them and they yeah. can either light up or they blow up into like a balloon mm-hmm. oh, i never figured that mechanic out it I took like, me a minute I, I never i don't think i ever figured it out and i think it, we technically beat that game playing it mm-hmm. like because i think you could do it. five player co-op on the wii u version because yeah. one person played on yeah. the tablet and with, then the, with the like platforms somebody's yeah. it's like you're playing uh medios or whatever or what am i trying to th- anyways anyways um <laughs> i tried to play this game with another person and it was a shit show and a half because you start <laughs> you hit each other and you're just running into each other and then one person falls off and then they're floating around they're like get me and you're like no i'm busy trying to actually do stuff it is a perfect ah. game. Mm-hmm. i don't i like I say I don't like it, but it has, like you said, like that suck that's like actually the game like is meant to be chaotic and draw like yeah, this attitude yeah. out of you. Like it does a perfect job of that. No, I, I I like it. But when I'm trying to like when my mindset is like, I want to get stuff done. I want to collect things <laughs> and you're just in my way. It's annoying, need, but otherwise need, it's fun. You need to have like an interview process and go over resumes for the people who are allowed to play. Co-op. Give me your cover letter, all the things. Yes. What is your what purpose Mario games being you played? Yeah. Tell me yeah. about what getting a hundred percent in Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe means to you. <laughs> and we'll we'll get back to you in two to five business days. Right. I don't know. Like there's ones that are instant trash, but no, I'm just kidding. But. Last week you weren't here, but I played. I've been playing on my Xbox, and we discussed this a little bit before we recorded. But um, Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice, and that one is also really good, and I definitely recommend it. It's on Game Pass, I believe, still. As soon as I give myself downtime to finish Dark Souls and Dishonored Two, that is the next in the queue. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. I'm play at uh, nighttime. I am so I'm gonna be so upset just from what I've heard you say about the voices, <laughs> but it'll be great. Um, I'm gonna just do a quick check in. I've been playing so much stuff just because it's been like a month since I recorded, but recently I've been picking up Ali Ali on Switch. Um, and I've gotten back into good Sudoku because I'm trying to drop my Hearthstone addiction, which means I need other games that can be like that pick up and play kind of just check in and do it for to kill 15 minutes and both of those games are fantastic for that Ali Ali has that thing where it like gets a hook in my brain and I just cannot be like I can't I I like I've reached a zen state where I'm no longer five starring the levels and I'm just gonna keep moving forward <laughs> it does the thing where I'm like I have I have to get all of the stars what do you mean um, and then I can't let go of it, but I just don't think I'm that good at the game, but I think it's a really fun side scroller. Um, and I think it weirdly is like a platformer as mm-hmm. much as it is a skateboarding game. 
Um, so for people who aren't familiar with it, I know it's been discussed on the show before, but it's um, a side-scrolling game where you use the left joystick uh, to input trick commands and pop and do ollies and stuff. Uh, and then you can uh, make your character spin around. And so it's like a side-scrolling skateboarding game. Um, did, and they have Ollie Ollie World coming out soon for the Switch 2, I think. Yeah, did you... I think there was a demo out for that, if I'm not mistaken. I think that was part of, like, the Summer Games Fest demo. Oh, really? Steam. I must have yes. missed that. I, I, no, I think you're right. I could be mistaken. I didn't get a chance to play it, but I do think I saw that there was a demo coming out for it. I... I'm now like a fan of the game. Like I would say that actually like just having played this first one. And so the game I think is called like Ali Ali switch stance on switch and it includes Ali Ali one and two. Um, And so I was like, look, I, I did the thing that people with steam do is what I do with the switch where it's like, I've heard this is good. It was on sale for like (laughs) 60% off sometime in the last four years. And I bought it and just sat on it. (laughs) And so like, I've finally gotten around to play it. And um, I was like, I feel like I have a demo that I don't need to like run out and try and do the Games <laughs> Fest demo of Ali Ali World. Um, but they did like completely change the art style for it, right? It almost looks kind of like a Nickelodeon cartoon, which is going to be a great segue so, yeah. oh. into the news. So what I think was the most astonishing news story of my lifetime, actually. (laughs) And I'm here to hear about how Biden's withdrawing from the Iraq and Afghanistan wars. (laughs) Is that over at IGN, I believe they tweeted out that they could exclusively announce, uh, this article's from Joe Scrubbles, that Nickelodeon all-star brawl is a Smash Bros alike featuring SpongeBob, TMNT, and more. They're making the uh, what's PlayStation All Stars two that everyone's always wanted. Oh God! <laughs> um, did either of you catch this news? What does everyone think? Go ahead, Charlie. Okay, <laughs> I caught this news, um, and I'm a competitive Smash player been doing it for like competitive yes competitive. i like that okay continue so i've been doing it for like seven ish years kind of uh Mm. been playing with my friends at much lower levels uh for longer obviously smash is a very big part of my life um and in kind of that lull in between when the last dlc for smash 4 was released and the uh release and reveal of ultimate there was this boom in popularity among a lot of different platform fighters, uh, partially thanks to the fact that uh, Smash 4, for better or for worse, whether you whether uh, you agree with it or not, was changed and to some degree uh, made competitively unviable in some ways because of the release of certain characters. Uh, I personally, Bayonetta, right? Yes, Bayonetta and Cloud. I've seen some of those videos, dude. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, I, I have a friend... Uh, a longtime friend who was told at a tournament he had the best lasers anyone's ever seen and is as Falco in Melee. Uh-huh. And so that was the kind of like, when you said casual play with friends in high school, that's what casual play with friends became. And uh-huh. so I'm like loosely pay attention to the competitive Smash team, but I kind of skipped over it for Smash 4. And then I went back to watch videos of people playing Bayonetta on like Bayonetta v Bayonetta in tournaments. And my brain <laughs> yeah. just melted. It's, 
it's unbelievable. I can't. I, I I still don't get how to operate that character at all, and she's too easy. I I did air quotes by the way. I, I yeah, need yeah. I need everyone the, to know. I I don't actually think that she's that too easy. easy to play Bayonetta. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there no. Was a, a resurgence because it became kind of competitively unbalanced in that way of some other games. Yeah. So the resurgence was kind of it was. I don't even know if I would call it a resurgence as much as kind of like a new a new wave of new okay. platform fighters. Uh, obviously. Brawlhalla had already come out and it was pretty popular. Uh, but games like Rivals of Aether, which is awesome, uh, Slap City, Brawlout, uh, Icons Arena, I think is what it's called. But regardless, lots of uh, really awesome games that play just like Super Smash Bros, but have their own things, their own characters, that kind of stuff. And one of those games that was pretty well regarded was called Slap City. And that developer is making Nickelodeon uh, All-Stars Brawl. Oh, awesome. So I think um, that was that's what I I kind of opened it with this because like I've heard a lot of people saying, you know, people on the press side who might not be that familiar but know Nickelodeon games for Nickelodeon Kart Racer and stuff kind of insinuating that this game probably isn't going to be that good. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think that people might, uh, obviously having high expectations can be bad for a game. But I think that people should maybe loosen up on this game just a little bit, just because uh, knowing the developer behind it and kind of their process and the other things that they've made, I think this is something to look out for. Yeah, that's awesome. I so I had I'm familiar with like Brawlhalla, um, but not really many of the other games you mentioned, and so I just like did a quick Google search of Slap City because I, I was the first time I've heard of it. It has a 10 out of 10 on Steam reviews, according to the Google search. You know, I don't know how accurate that is, but like, uh, is this primarily like a Steam game that people like plug controllers in and stuff? Yeah, yeah. It's I'm pretty sure it's PC only, okay. but um, actually that, now, now that I, I, that reminds me of something, uh, this game hilariously is the first platform fighter to have rollback from my understanding. Oh, um, Wow. Uh, so it's going to have better netcode than Ultimate. It's going to have better netcode than Tekken 7. It's going to have better netcode than Street Fighter, Dragon Ball, all these games, except for like Guilty Gear, I think is is like the first like big fighting game to have rollback, maybe Mortal Kombat 2. But, uh, but yeah, the, like so many things are being done incredibly well for this game. The roster, the look, the feel, the developers, the netcode, all of this stuff is combining to make something that has quickly shot up the ranks of games that I'm looking forward to. I would say, like, I'm not looking forward to it, to it more than, like, Metroid, Halo, or Gardens of the Galaxy, but I'm still really excited for it. Way up there for you. I um, I do think my hype level went from, like, that's kind of cute to, oh, shit, right. When they, uh, I believe it was someone at VGC, and I've been trying to dig up this article because I forgot to put it in the doc, um, and I want to give them credit was doing like a hard look at the leaked cover art and was like, that's Aang and Korra from the Avatar series. And I was like, awesome. oh yeah. And Good just news. like, I mean, talk about a series that like, just make me a 2D fighter in the Avatar the Last oh Airbender God, yeah. universe. Are you kidding? It makes itself practically. I wonder, anyways, I can, you can always cross your fingers, but like, I may have to get the game. Cause like, I was always a Cartoon Network kid growing up. I I was not a SpongeBob kid, which is almost impossible. So I'm so glad that we had you on the show today, Charlie. But um, getting like the Avatar characters in it, 
that's a big deal. Um, (laughs) That would make me go a little bit, a little bit bonkers. Um, Anyways, Angie, are you into these platform fighters at all? Do you like the smashes and the Brawlhalla's and stuff like that? Well, I'm not a competitive gamer like Charlie here, but they're fun. They're totally fun. My nephews are super into it. And if I beat them, they're not the happy campers. <laughs> so I just let them win sometimes, which is fine. Uh, but I'm, I have watched like these shows, like their characters that they're bringing into Super Smash. I've watched in my younger years, and I'm super excited. I was looking at the screenshots, the screen grabs um, of this uh, Nickelodeon All Star Brawl situation, and. The one of them, Nigel Thornberry, which that the Wild Thornberries is one of my favorite shows. Um, punching Helga from Hey Arnold just into the sky is hilarious, it's and I want like, to do that because I didn't like her when I was younger. I was like, she's so mean. <laughs> so. I did like. I grew up like with a lot of those characters, even though I like. One friend was into Nickelodeon. I was into Cartoon Network. At one house, we watch one. At the other house, we watch the other. Yeah. I know a lot of these characters, and it just feels so weird to me that they're going to be punching each other in the face. Like, <laughs> That's the what makes it hilarious. Was, like, talking about the frames on a Patrick Star movie <laughs> that they saw in one of the videos. I was like, are you kidding me? Got like, yeah. We're going to look the, at the, the frame the data in the trailer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It's I, like, what, does, what is the hitbox on this grab <laughs> that Patrick Starr's doing? I oh can't believe God. it. He's like completely disconnected from his character yeah. model. Anyways, I uh, I am so glad that it's something that is drawing so much interest from you, Charlie. And like, it's tempting me to check it out just knowing that there's a high probability that I could play as Anger for in this game. Actually, uh, I'm reasonably sure that on one of the maps there, is, or on in the trailer, one of the maps is like um, in Avatar Season 3, Oh, the White Lotus. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. No. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I. I feel like they would be. They would be. Uh. Horribly mistaken to include anything Avatar related in this game without having anyone playable. Uh. Like to the point where I could almost promise you right here, right now, like without a doubt, (laughs) that you you're probably gonna end up getting this game because Aang and Korra will be playable. Like, there's no way they're not. Uh. I just. You know, I have a friend who really loves SpongeBob SquarePants and who I play Smash with super casually. So maybe I have a birthday <laughs> present for him. <laughs> but anyways, I thought this was delightful. I think it's really cool. I think it's really smart that they're like, I, I think I've seen TA, like they did the SpongeBob, SpongeBob. Oh my God. My mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> um, they did SpongeBob Rehydrated. And I think that was really well received by the people who are fans of that. A, that game, I guess, mm-hmm. had a huge fan base, but B, just people who are fans of Spongebob, which seems to only grow. Like, I think that game, that show seems to be timeless for people. So yeah. um, I think THQ, or is it THQ who's doing this? They must be No, right? no, it's license, it's or? like it's like some completely different publishing house. I, I, I reached out to them on Twitter uh, just to see if I could get my name oh, on their yeah. mailing list. But it looks like uh, the publisher is called Game Mill Entertainment. Wild, yeah, I'm seeing. The, oh, they're my... based in Minneapolis. Wow. It's as if 
we have people on the ground who could go do <laughs> an interview or something. We're the it's us in Game Informer. We're perfectly set up for this. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Awesome. I am excited to see what other like deep cuts they pull too, because I think like having people from our real monsters in here, like that's some deep cuts. And like Red Run and Stimpy characters. Um in I mean Zim from Invader Zim is really cool. I think there's a lot of potential to draw in some really interesting, maybe less thought of Nickelodeon characters. So I would love they, to play as the Nick logo. Let's get there weird. Was, so there was there was a tweet about that that I saw because my entire timeline yesterday was Nickelodeon All Stars Brawl uh, content. But one thing that I saw yesterday was the Nickelodeon foot logo. Was that they would use that <laughs> instead of Master Hand? <laughs> oh, as a final boss, that would yeah, be like as a final boss, which del- would be really funny. Or like del- you just del- fight del- the Nickelodeon blob at the end of the thing. <laughs> so just out of curiosity who are y'all based on like what we know so far and probably including ang and cora and whoever else that we were able to suss out from that cover who were y'all thinking of playing in this game smash game uh, yeah yeah the, the nickelodeon one uh all stars all nickelodeon all star singular not plural brawl they threw in smash brawl reference and playstation all stars into this game. they're like Doing mind games. You saw that they commissioned Smash Art, right? Oh no, I did not. I'll, y'all talk about this. I'll find it and put it in the in the yeah. chat. Um, Andrew, who do you think uh, of the list here? Who stands out to you as who you'd want to play as? I have to pick one. Sure, I don't know. Pick or two. Well, it's not Helga because I want to punch her in the face. So <laughs> I would. Pr- I want to be. I think Nigel Thornberry mm-hmm. uh, would be awesome. Leonardo, obviously, or Reptar, for sure. I thought Reptar was a really interesting pull, honestly. Oh, Zim, Invader really Zim's going to be in there? Him either. Him too. He's throwing <laughs> yeah. I Off of the list that's actually announced, Zim stands out to me. Um, but if there's, I mean, if Koro and or Aang are in this game, I, I'm at least trying them out, you know? I don't see myself trying to go competitive in this. I'm not going to like run practice drills like I did with Joker when Joker got added to ultimate. Like I, I think if it's a a casual fun thing, I'll gravitate towards the characters that I love. And that's like the avatar characters, Zim, and then probably like Oblina from Ariel monsters, just because that's like so perfect. Um, What do you think, Charlie? Who's standing out to you? Is the hitbox on the Patrick Star thing so tempting that you have to say Patrick Star. So, honestly, I'm pretty sure the Patrick Star thing is like equally as broken as something that me Brawler has in Smash, but I could be mistaken. Okay. Uh, that said, uh, I probably won't be touching uh, Patrick. Well, uh, that's not true. I'll probably like try out every SpongeBob character for sure, but. Um, I have yeah, they know gonna... where the money's made, huh? They got three of those SpongeBob characters. <laughs> yeah, in here they're, pro- they're probably going to put in more too. Like, there's no way they're not. Um, um, I just threw the art in the chat, by the way. Oh, but, awesome, uh, but I also, I also think Powder Toastman is going to be fun. <laughs> just, <laughs> I don't know. He looks like he might play like Captain Falcon, who's really fun. And then uh, I also want to play as Leonardo because uh, sword characters are usually fun. 
official Nickelodeon art from 2019 is what it says in the tweet. Oh, yeah. I forgot it was older, but. That's yeah. amazing. Oh, and they're, and it's all making references. Like each of these is like a different Smash character. Oh, this is good. Aang is like me fisticuffs, fisticuffs, dude. The bully from Hey or from uh, Doug is Ganon. It looks like I'm into it. This is this is like AJ. We're gonna have you put this in the show notes. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, that was like the highlight of the news week for me so far. Um, but I do want to shout out to uh, that leak about LeBron James being in Fortnite being real. Um, if people remember from the Epic versus Apple court case, I think the fact that LeBron James was like on deck to be added as a skin to Fortnite uh, was leaked through those court documents. And Dean Takahashi writes over at GamesBeat uh, that LeBron James is joining Fortnite to promote Space Jam A New Legacy. Um, I thought just I haven't seen that much of this character model but the skin where he's got the floating crown and like the lion oh it's so cool it's so cool it's fucking awesome yeah sorry wait can i curse on the show oh go for it okay okay (laughs) he's given off strong black panther vibes like i feel like that's like some sort of uh some sort of suit and hoodie from wakanda (laughs) energy (laughs) um but it just looks great um Mm -hmm. i also think it's incredibly weird that he's gonna be in Fortnite, but every you know, pretty soon everyone's going to be in Fortnite. So that's okay. Yeah. Did you did either of you play that game, the Space Jam game that they put out, like Xbox Early Access for Game Pass Ultimate members? I did not have a chance to check it out yet. I know that was like one of the perks. I didn't want to add to my list of distractions because <laughs> I am starting to guilt myself about having gotten pretty far into Dark Souls One and then not actually sealed the deal oh i did that with Bloodborne. Um, it's fine <laughs> it's not fine I need, I need to say that i did it um but uh i didn't it looked cool i i like that it's a throwback vibe and it sounds like it was a pretty short game like it mm-hmm. could be kind yeah of like it's like 45 minutes long it's pretty short oh, okay so it could be a good like break for after dinner and before whatever you're doing next right yeah. um angie did you check that out no, I did not. I know it's coming out like in a bigger release pretty soon too, I think, but um do either of you have any interest in Space Jam colon a new legacy? I mean yes and no. Uh it feels like there is a a world in which the things, all of the different things that they are bringing in, and believe me, there is a lot, uh, having seen these trailers, uh, that there is some way that this could work. Do I expect it to? Not a chance in hell. No way. Like, I, I don't expect to like this as much as, uh, obviously, you know, I like the first Space Jam, probably largely thanks to nostalgia. Um and also, like, Bugs Bunny is one of my favorite fictional characters. Like, I before I watched Spongebob all the time, I watched Looney Tunes all the time. Uh, so there's there's kind of that element of it, too. And, um, you know, it's got an interesting cast. And Space Jam is, like, at the very least, hopefully going to deliver some kind of fun slapstick stuff and some funny, like, Harlem Globetrotters meets Looney Tunes kind of shenanigans. So 
I have a latent interest, but I don't really think I'm going to be uh, super excited about this movie as I was when I heard that they were making it. Well, I also sense. heard they were making it like a decade ago. <laughs> and I feel like had they pulled the trigger on it faster or had it like come to fruition faster, it would have kept my attention more. I have a very special place in my heart for the original Space Jam movie. And I also love Looney Tunes. And I just don't need this in my life. And it makes me sad. And and if it's a good movie, I will eat my words and happily watch it. But I'm kind of getting tired of reboots of things that I'm nostalgic for. I just uh, give me some new content. I agree with that. And also them doing it, but failing at doing so. Mm -hmm. This is that. I mean, right. If it's good, it's good. Right. Like, right. But some and some of them are, but most of them haven't been. So it's like, why continue on this train? Just leave it, leave it be how it is. Well, speaking of things that people are nostalgic for, over the weekend, a sealed copy of Super Mario sixty four sold at auction for one and a half million dollars. Yes. Zach Swizen writes this up over at Kotaku.com. Uh, and I believe this was on like Sunday morning. Um, but over the weekend, there was a video game auction. Uh, during that auction, a copy of, uh, I believe it was Zelda, sold for $870,000 in the same auction. Um, and this game sold for $1.5 million, which nearly doubles that amount. Um it was rated a 9.8 on the WADA scale. And as a result of it, uh, it is fewer than five known copies in such incredible condition. Uh, ended on July 11. I, I know I, there's... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I just am in, I just can imagine like uh, Reggie, Doug Bowser, and Shigeru Miyamoto just like sitting outside of a, like a, like a, uh, kingdom of the crystal skull style, uh, warehouse full of just like, just a ton of these, just like laughing their asses off, like clinking a champagne flutes, just being like, ah, oh, we're going to put all these into the collector's market and make all this money and everything. And it's like, it's just, it's just ridiculous to me. I mean, like I love video games. If I had that kind of money, I probably also would be spending that unfathomable amount of money on them, but I don't, I won't, and I can't understand it. <laughs> so the thing that stands out to me about this is, A, I love your Kingdom of the Crystal Skull reference here. Thank you. I picture a world where they leak one every Yeah, like every year. Yeah. Or year. Just to like, because you can't flood the market. I was an economics no. major. Supply right. and demand are important. But you just slowly drop. Maybe the next one's a 9.8 Zelda Ocarina of Time. You know, mm -hmm. ooh, mint in box. <laughs> uh, and just wait until the DS nostalgia for re-releases of NES and Super NES games comes by. Because guess who's got a pretty much mint in box copy of Chrono Trigger for the DS? This guy does. Um, and so, you know, one day I too could be a 1.5 million <laughs> if the right circumstances happen. You better seal that up. 
yeah, I mean, the Saran wrap is just shredded because I ordered it from Amazon for like 80 <laughs> bucks. So I don't think I'm, I don't think it's going to be a 9.8. Uh, but um, I just think this is so hard for me to wrap my head around. I know um, there's been some good follow-up reporting, uh, interviewing some people who are in the classic and like retro game preservation space. Um, I would encourage people to seek some of that out. I think uh, Chris Kohler was doing a round of interviews all over the press that following Monday um, and could be found at places like the New York Times and things like that. So um, if people have more interest in kind of what the actual uh, teeth to this are in that retro game space and uh, archival space, I think there's a lot to say about what having Super Mario 64 go for $1.5 million in terms of like archival and preservation. Um, but I also just think, wow, good for you. Whoever has this, I, uh, sometimes large numbers like that make my brain break in half. Um, the last thing that I thought was really interesting from the news this week, also over at Kotaku, Ari Nadas wrote up that Final Fantasy 14 has gotten so popular recently that even the digital version of it is sold out, which it basically means that Final Fantasy was the original NFT, <laughs> I think is what it means. But um, trying to buy the MMO on the Square Enix store puts you on the waiting list. Um, I know there's been kind of like a convergence of things leading to this, of a lot of people in the WoW community kind of being disappointed with the recent story uh, efforts that are going into that game. Um, some prominent WoW streamers actually switching over to Final Fantasy XIV and things like that. Um, Charlie, have you dived into the world of a free Final Fantasy story? I can't do the meme off the top of my head, but I did mm -hmm. I did dive in recently and I, I played through like the stuff that would be in that free version, mm -hmm. um, but I paid for it. I have like the full expansion and stuff. I just haven't nice. gotten to them. No, I haven't touched it. It's it's funny, you know, the the kind of the era of the MMO seems to like just keep going and going and going, whether it's something like a traditional MMO or to me, even something like Destiny kind of occupies a similar space, but I've never even touched Destiny. Uh, oh. The only MMO I've ever played is Lego Universe. If you either of you remember that. Uh, I think I knew that that existed, uh -huh. but I have no idea what it would have been like. It was so weird and really, really interesting. And obviously as a kid who was super into Lego, I loved it. Like I, I adored it. And there was a lot of, even, even looking back, there was a lot of really interesting stuff. Like you had your own world where you could build stuff out of pieces that you would collect by doing missions and all this other stuff. Uh, oh. And they had like, worlds connected to some of their properties like some of the like lego properties and then other things that were new stuff um but it was like a full-fledged mmo just lego um but other than that i mean the closest i've come was like back in the day when i was like the 13 year old screamer playing halo and call of duty every day that's the closest i ever really got to like being in like a team of people playing a, an online game together that and like league of legends every like couple months for sure Oh man, Lego Universe. I I feel like it like it missed me because I was in college when it came out. Um, but talk about like a great. I think honestly, if they made a Lego Minecraft esque MMO today, I feel like Lego's as popular, if not more popular, than it was mm -hmm. ten years ago. So I don't know. I think 
think that this could hit again if they really wanted to. But I also know that it's hard to support stuff like that. Yeah. Angie, I haven't talked much MMO talk with you. Is there? Have you ever had interest in Final Fantasy fourteen at all? No. Didn't think so. I had a friend, a best friend, that played it a lot. And I watched her play it a little bit. But it didn't really spark much of my interest. I heard that I'm, like, right before the expansion where people say, like, best Final Fantasy story bar none Mm. and so like i'm ready to dive back in but i also paid 15 dollars for it last month and literally didn't touch it and so i'm kind of stuck in between two worlds of it's it's not i'm not naturally drawn to want to sit at my computer to play games just it's not i've frankly if i could play every game in handheld laying on the couch or in bed on the switch that is my ideal use case and Mm -hmm. so it's like another step further away from the couch for me to sit at my gaming PC. Um, And so it is a little bit out of the ordinary for me to even do that. But I like the, and I don't have a PS, I mean, I do have a PS4, but my friends are playing on PC and I don't want to even go down the rabbit hole of figuring out if that's a thing because God forbid I restart that game after I hit level 52 (laughs) or whatever. You know, I can't abandon Jubilee. I named her Jubilee. That's a cool name. Yeah, I was excited X-Men. about the new Japanese breakfast album when I made my character. Anyways. Um, but I I think it is a good game. It's it's mm-hmm. I it's like the first MMO I've really played. And I think they do really interesting stuff with the characters. There's a lot of voice acting and a lot of like cutscenes, cut for lack of a better term. I guess they would be called cutscenes um, in a way that I wasn't expecting in the initial part of the story and i've heard they do only like more and more in-depth characterization and more detailed mm. cutscenes and voices and stuff going forward um i think part of it is i just picked a healer class and i shouldn't have done that i've heard it's, that's a very hard class to play in i'm stressing in that kind of thing <laughs> i'm and i'm playing like the not straightforward one where i have a fairy that floats by me and does like some of the passive healing mm-hmm. my friend who's really into it said i'm supposed to be doing dps some of the time and i'm like i don't even really know what <laughs> mean. um anyways the thing that i think is actually interesting about this story is because the server load demand has been so high they are limiting people's ability to start joining the game mm-hmm. um which is I mean, talk about amazing. I know it recently broke uh, its concurrent Steam record. um, And it's, (laughs) I think there's like an actual press release uh, from Square covering kind of like what the explanation of why they're doing this is. Um, But basically the fact that you would have to throttle people getting into your game is a great sign for the health of it, right? This game has had a big comeback from the original version to uh i can never a uh, realm reborn i should know that that's the one that i rolled credits on technically <laughs> um and i think it's just amazing like from the ashes to rise like a phoenix and i think technically it like had more concurrence than wow or has surpassed mm-hmm. wow in its current uh-huh. user base of some kind don't quote me on that that's just something i heard somewhere else so um it's not mentioned in the article but i just thought it was really cool and also just like I'm wondering if that would be something that would happen in the future with other games, if there's like too much demand for them, that they would throttle mm. 
people's ability to play. Because I know there's like situations where like a new game comes out and there's too much demand on servers, and so like people aren't able to get into play right away. Yeah, I mean that's never had Pokemon Go. Right. Yeah. I I lived through that. (laughs) Yeah. That was a fun summer. Yeah, that was. (laughs) Um, but I, I have never seen anything be like, we're just not going to even sell this to you. We'll put you on the wait list uh-huh. and you can get back to us. Um, except for, uh, you know, next gen consoles is the mm-hmm. comparison that I would have to that. The, uh, come to think of it, there is one other MMO that I played and that was very, very different from FF14, but I played, I played a very, very small amount of Star Wars The Old Republic on my parents' oh. PC. What did you think of that? Cause I've heard really good things about it just even as a single player experience very very again i played a very small amount of this like 10 years ago so i was 11 um ah yes the perfect age for star wars stuff though right yeah which is <laughs> in theory it's the perfect age for star wars stuff it is not what i would consider the perfect age for like bioware star wars mmo stuff though not because i wasn't following the story but just because like it was a little overwhelming for me i think uh at that point in time and also like i wasn't playing with anybody so there wasn't really anything pulling me in except for the story but then Mm. even if i wanted to my parents pc was a piece of shit so i couldn't play anything on it anyways like i i was maybe able to get like 15 minutes in and then it would like crash or like i would get some kind of like video card error or something like that and then uh and then i would have to stop playing which you know sucks but i i i like what very very little of it i played but also like i like a lo- i like pretty much anything that is in that world and i will enjoy it uh even if it is bad we'll have, attack to talk, of the clones. <laughs> we'll have to talk um have you watched clone wars yes clone wars right. is like a top five tv show for me Cool. I I'm in season two and I will. Oh, okay. So so you're like right around where it starts getting really good. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I'm doing um, a more civilized age. The podcast from some of the folks from Waypoint are doing as a rewatch pod. So I'm following along with them. And I've cool. never watched the show before. So I'm oh, awesome. Sure Have you watched Rebels? No, it's not. It's, I'm a fate. I'm not a. I wouldn't even call myself a Star Wars fan. Okay. I'm an Episode Eight fan. Which I know is fighting words on the internet. <laughs> it, it's fighting words on the internet for some under so a very small amount of understandable reasons and a very large amount of stupid ass reasons. Um, I think even though there's breaking news about Netflix wanting to add streaming games to their platform next year oh. happening right now, that's where we're going to call it on the news <laughs> segment so that we can keep the podcast from running too long. But I okay. do want to shout out the fact that Netflix is planning on bringing game streaming to That's, its platform next oh year. Oh, my God. Um, wow. For the Mostly Normal question, I want to pivot and say, if you had the kind of money to throw around and pay $1.5 million for a game at auction, what game would you pick? My lizard brain tells me to pick something that I could turn around and sell for as much or more. But realistically, you're you're wealthy enough for it to be, oh, of course I would buy Mario (laughs) 64 for this. (laughs) I think uh, Metroid Prime Trilogy, like the the steel, the the steel case. Oh, the steel book. Yeah, the steel book for the Wii. uh, That's up there. 
a box copy of Super Metroid, uh, like mint in box copy of Super Metroid for sure. Um, and then the box, because the, the 3DS and DS games that I can think of that came in boxes were Heart Gold and Soul Silver and Kid Icarus Uprising. Both of those are up there. Uh, other than that, I mean, I don't know. I Most of my like favorite games of all time are kind of like more either digital era stuff or like in kind of that era where collecting and like rare games isn't as much of a thing in the same way where like good games are super easy to find. And then that's like the weird, not necessarily as good, less mainstream obscure stuff that you can't find on like NES stuff where it's like, oh, Zelda selling for half, like three quarters of a million dollars. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think those are, those are definitely what come to mind. I like that you took it in like a, realistically what's possible to hit this price point <laughs> direction because um angie do you have an answer or otherwise i can jump in i have two hit me up what what is worth your 1.5 million dollars <laughs> um you had mentioned uh zelda ocarina of time mm-hmm. and that would be definitely one of them Imagine having the gold cartridge, but mm-hmm. it being mint in box, so you don't even get to look at the fact that you have the gold cartridge. I don't wanna. That makes me upset. So, um, the other one would be Donkey Kong Country. Oh, interesting. That would be the other one that I would definitely buy. That's good, good memories culture. with that one. John mentioned the last podcast that I was on that there is a video of like the behind the scenes of making said donkey kong country i was like um i did not know this and you have one please find it was that the was that the like yellow vhs tape that that nintendo power sent out by any chance because i think i remember hearing about that in a podcast somewhere i believe so okay we were john was just talking about that (laughs) yeah um i have my answer it is Apparently, according to this Amazon listing, not the correct answer. <laughs> but to me, um, honestly, it's like a trinity of games that I'm seeing on this store page after having searched this. I loved Beautiful Joe so much when I was in seventh grade. I think it was seventh grade. That I like I would to have like if it was like signed or something, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, my just to like have it somewhere displayed. Cause that was like one of the first like hard, cause I felt that game to be pretty hard. Hard games that I like really dug my teeth into as a kid. Um, yeah. So I would, you know, if somebody saw me pay $1.5 million for a copy of a game series, do you think it would like resurrect that series from the dead to get back to my other question? <laughs> um, but the other one is actually Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door. Okay. Both of these are GameCube games. Mm-hmm. Um, and both of them are like relatively affordable on Amazon right now. But, um, you know, say it's like 50 years in the future. Maybe somebody else thinks Beautiful Joe is important to gaming history the way I do. <laughs> Which it's not. It's important to my joy, though. And um, Sometimes that's all that matters when you're going to an auction you know it's like in the movie where the person goes in the auction and they get into a bidding battle with the other person who cares about the thing that's how mm-hmm. we would get to 1.5 million <laughs> right. there'd be one copy left in our desert hellscape <laughs> post-climate change world 
and I would be at the auction box battling it out to try and keep the last copy in the right hands. Um, and with that stupid nightmare story, we're going to end the podcast. Also, quick shout out. You can submit a mostly normal question to the Google voicemail number at 507-291-2991. That's going to do it for the show this week. Charlie, big, huge thank you for joining us on our ridiculous podcast. <laughs> um, would you let people know where they can follow your work online and how to keep up with you? For sure. my uh, You can find me on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, I guess, uh, at C-H-A-S underscore M-K-E. That's Chaz Milwaukee. You can find me on YouTube at Just Chaz. That's where I upload episodes of my podcast, Comfort Food, as well as on Spotify, Anchor, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, pretty much everywhere. Uh, and you can find that on Twitter. You can find that podcast, the Comfort Food Podcast, at Comfort underscore Food Pod on Twitter. Uh, and that's just a podcast all about arts and media that people love. There are kind of cherished memories with them. Actually, speaking of Metroid, obviously, it's perfectly on brand that the last episode that I put out was an episode about Metroid Fusion. So if you're into that, if you're into Mario 64, uh, I've done one for Black Ops 2, Howl's Moving Castle, a number of different things. Uh, I think I only have like 13 or 14 episodes published. I have more recorded. Hopefully, I'll get more out. Um but yeah, if that sounds like something that you are into, feel free to find me or the show on Twitter. Uh, and uh, again, that is C-H-A-S underscore M-K-E or comfort underscore food pod. Rad. Awesome. Angie, what about you? At Stellar Smalls on Twitter and Instagram and Twitch. Have you been doing any streaming recently or are you also still on hiatus? Oh, hiatus. I've been wanting to stream so bad. Say, I actually, when I was playing Breath of the Wild there, I found random, like, oh, things you didn't know about Breath of the Wild and tips and tricks, fun stuff. And I found one myself. And I was like, oh, I should totally stream that. Let people know how to quickly get bundles of wood. Oh, I haven't done that yet. In the world. I need to do the it. Pro tips. Four years yeah. later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't found it anywhere else, though. So maybe it's something that might be useful for in this, the second Breath of the Wild that's coming out. Who knows? Oh, my God. Just inject it directly into my veins. Um, mm -hmm. You can find me making just the worst, worst drug metaphors for Zelda games at VG Occasion on Twitter. Um, you can follow the podcast at MN Gamers Podcast on Twitter. Uh, you can send us emails to podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com. Uh, you can sign up for our newsletter, Mostly Normal Monthly, at mngamers.substack.com. And please find us on the podcast service of your choice and leave us a five-star review. It helps the show. It helps my obsessive thought patterns. It helps me sleep at night. And I would just really appreciate it. That's going to do it for the show this week. Everybody go play some games. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.